I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Okay, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am pretty good. So we have so much stuff to talk about because we haven't podcasted in a while. We we kind of started this morning talking about how I've had, ever since really putting sex therapy on my website, I've had a lot more people coming to me with um, consensual non-monogamy, et cetera, et cetera, and how I really feel... Um, that kind of everything that's happening in terms of what we're seeing with the transgender queer movement um, is being extravaganted as if it is um, something to be celebrated versus really taking a look at generational trauma, relational trauma, and all the things that contribute to, you know, people maybe wanting to find a place where they can fit in versus, you know, the handful of the population that probably really do have, you know, at least a medical issue related right. to this. Or not just a mental health issue. A, a physical issue, right, right. right. And, um, you know, I had a couple that called yesterday and they were doing a consult and her her question was, well, I really would like to know, you know, how... how um, how you feel about working with us as an alternative population. And, and I was straight up. I said, look, at the end of the day, people are people. I've been doing this 15 years, 11 years working for with couples. Um, obviously being a progressive liberal state, I've, there's nothing I haven't seen in terms of relationship dynamics, polyamory, whatever you want to call it. And, um, frankly, I've been working with this since before it was popular and I'll just call it for that. It's popular now. Right. But what I really truly believe in the bottom of my heart, and I can show up for couples and meet them where they're at, and that's not a problem. But at the end of the day, you know, people choose to open their relationship thinking it's going to fix their problems. And all it does is create more problems in their relationship because they never address the issues that were really in the relationship. Correct. And at the end of the day, people all have the same shit. They're bringing relational trauma that's got to do with not being seen, not being heard, not feeling validated. Um, they're not good enough wounds are triggered. Their abandonment wounds are activated. And then they start acting like teens and children. Right. And then when it's not working out for them, they say, well, let's just open our marriage. Right. Well, now we're just really activating all the shit that we really had to begin with. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't solve anything. And, you know, I was telling you about a case that I have right now where there's some physical issues that they're looking to open the marriage and they're they're coming to me to do it in a safe way. Um, but when I start bringing up the potential issues surrounding opening the marriage, like, well, what if he ends up wanting to spend more money than just the travel expenses to go be with this other woman? Like, what if she wants him to buy her a nice outfit to go out to dinner? And maybe now she also wants a car so that she can travel to and from to see him. Oh, no, 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 no. That's off limits. People aren't thinking about the long-term ramifications of right. of some of these types of 
progressive relationships. Right. And, you know, when you get into a, a relationship with someone, you know, um, there's there's baggage that comes along with it, mm -hmm. for lack of a better mm -hmm. term. You know, you know, if you're going to spend a certain amount of, you know, going to spend more time with someone outside of the relationship, another another partner, you know, and you're getting more involved with that other partner, you know, it's not just the emotional side of it, it's also the financial side of it. You yeah. know, there's going to be gifts. Yeah. There's going to be, you know. Money spent. Money the, spent. The allure at some wears point, off. You know, and you're it sleeping becomes... over at this person's house. Okay, at what point are you going to pay half the rent? Right. You know what I mean? Half right. the utilities. You know, oh, honey, I need a car. Okay, you're going to write a check for a car? I mean, you know, where are you going to draw the line for all that? And that's the thing that people don't think about when they start to, to look at this stuff. And I really feel, you know, I was telling you about another case that I have where, you know, he had a one night stand uh, years ago. They've never really sexually bounced back from that. I wish I could have gotten to this couple sooner um, because he hates that he did, did that. And he's full of shame and guilt. And they've, and they've not been able to really repair. And when one person has an affair in a relationship like that, where they really did want to stay committed to their partner, but they acted out. Um, what ends up happening is everything in the relationship then becomes their fault. Right. The person who had the affair. Right. And so I've worked with all these different cases, but where we're at now is I'm sitting in these sexual, you know, I'm getting my sex therapy doctorate. I'm sitting in these classes and I was excited about a certain class that I was going to be taking that had to do with an orgasm, the orgasm gap or the pleasure gap. And what I was excited about for this class is that I was finally going to be able to have tangible tools to offer my women and men who are struggling to orgasm for all sorts of reasons, right? For right. all sorts of reasons, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hear from a, another person with a doctorate um, who's going to provide some information about this and what the class ends up being is a whole fucking political shit show about why Texas and Florida are bad and how they're teaching all the wrong things and how we need to really open the ability for the, for the, for sex ed to be taught in the right way, which includes gender affirming care and LGBTQIA and abortions in schools. This is what the class ended up being about. And it had nothing to do with yeah. the, pleasure gap or the orgasm gap. No. And then when I chimed in and asked one legitimate question, which was, okay, you're saying that basically, you know, only 60% of heterosexual white women are orgasming and, you know, uh, you know, basically homosexuals, uh, women of whatever color doesn't really matter, um, are having way more, um, orgasms. So basically if, Hey, if you're a woman and you want to have an orgasm, then go have a woman eat you out. Um, right. it, okay. So my legitimate question to this supposed study was, did you do any research on their sexual trauma, past histories? Any, are there any information about how long that they've been in this relationship? Is there any kind of abuse in this relationship at all? Respect, relational, any kind of abuse, emotional, physical, verbal, doesn't matter. Um, no. The question Crickets. was completely not answered. I asked it more than once and she literally was like, Oh, I'm going to go back through all the questions. Fucking skipped over it. The moderator didn't even bother to call it out. Right. Because it doesn't fit the agenda. Right. Because 
you know, when we start to take a look at that, we start to see the real issues for why there's an orgasm problem. Right. If there is one at all. Right. Who did you interview is what I want to know. And this is the problem through all of the whole fucking pandemic. You know, people love to throw the science in your face. Every time I actually got the research study and asked them a question back about, well, what about this? And what about that? And why are we pulling out this percentage stat and, and showing it like this? What about this? Crickets. Right. They don't want to hear it because you can take any study, quote unquote, study on the face of the planet and manipulate those numbers to fit whatever headline you want to have. Yep. So the the Cosmo headline now reads, women go get eaten out by a woman and you'll be 40% more likely to orgasm. Right. Really? That's how we're going to twist this? Pretty much, yeah. And, and you know, then they started talking about or abortions in this orgasm class. Not sure how we got on that subject, but we started talking about abortions and they started talking about how, you know, all the narrative that's being pushed that you'll be sterile and you won't be able to have a baby and um, that you, incredibly vital work, they say, you know, all these things. It's like they want to be so progressive, but really how many people raise your hand have had an abortion? Let's talk about the fucking trauma. Right. Let's talk about the everlasting trauma as somebody who has worked with these women I can tell you, it's not all fucking unicorn and rainbow farts. And every time someone had to have one, even if there was a very serious reason why, um, uh, the trauma is there. But nobody wants to talk about the trauma because if we talk about that, it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. You know, if we try to prevent um, abortions from happening, it doesn't fit. It doesn't go with, with what, and, and let me back up because I'm getting off track because we're getting interrupted. So I'm losing my, my thoughts here, but the bottom line is that they only want to talk about what fits their narrative. And anytime they are questioned on anything else, anything else, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? It's crickets. They say nothing. They right. fucking ghost you. Right. And they want to stand on freedom of speech. Like in this particular class, it was, well, we should be able to have our freedom of speech to talk about um, sex and gender in schools. Right. But if you want to talk about the alternative, which is sad, we're the alternative now. If you want to talk about the alternative. Then you can't don't, ask. Don't talk about that. Right. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about Jesus. You can't, you can't speak up. No, but you can talk about mindfulness, even though mindfulness and anything to do with yoga or anything related to that are actually also religious, but you can't talk about Jesus. Right. Don't talk about Christianity, but you can talk about Hinduism or Buddhism, Buddhism or whatever. Atheism. Yeah. We can tweak that in whatever way we want, but don't, it's an outright fucking attack on the nuclear family. It's an outright fucking attack on conservative values. Change my mind. Right. How do we how do we go from a class on orgasms to stumping for politics? Right. This is not this is not a program. <laughs> um you know, to educate, this is a program to um change your political point of view if you haven't already done so right 
And, you know, what's interesting is like, you know, there's been a lot of talk, I'm just kind of eavesdropping on this a little bit. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, we need more laws for this and more laws for that. And it's like, you know, every time you open up that can of worms and demand a law for something, there's consequences that trickle down, you know, um, you know, there's, there's no one size fits all. They want the federal government to step, step in and pass these laws that, that are going to prevent states from, you know, banning this and banning that and right. whatever. That's not the way things are supposed to work. That's not the way things do work. No. And when I pose the question, you know, what if we put this on the parents? Again, it was crickets. Right. You know, where do the parents come into this game? It actually, the only thing that was said about that was when I said this seems like we're getting on a church versus state issue, you know, parental versus governmental issue. The commentary was, um, well, the government is finally passing laws to prohibit parents from having a say if their children want to change their gender identity. Why are you meddling? Go have your own fucking kid. Right. Raise your kid how you want to raise your fucking kid and leave everybody else alone. And what the hell? What right? are you protecting the kids? Is that where their narrative is? And what the hell right does the state have? And why does the state have any say in how a parent should raise their child? Because the parents are in, incompetent and incapable, right? They, because they don't, they're not progressive enough. You know, this is another fundamental flaw in, you know, a lot of, uh, left-leaning mindsets. And then, then everybody comments and starts saying how, how, oh, well, so, you know, what we're going to do is we are going to have people or that what people want to do is they want to move out of the country to more progressive countries. What they don't realize is you ain't going to find it. No, you're not going to find it. Even if you go to Amsterdam or the Netherlands or some of these really sex positive places, actually, they're pretty freaking conservative when it comes to stuff. It's not this debauchery, hedonism, loose freaking morals of degradation. It's not that. Right. Just because a country is sex positive and embraces nudity and things like that, that is different. Right. That is different. You know, um, when it comes to like, you know, depravity and all this other shit that's, you know, this whole, you know, whatever Pride Month it is. Um. You do some research and you look around a little bit. We are literally the only country on the planet that even allows this to be out there, period. Well, we talked about this a little bit this morning, too. I don't understand how we're taking a subsect of a population and treating it like it is this massive thing to be celebrated. And somebody said, as a mostly gay person, they replied to me when I asked this question, as a mostly gay person... Whatever the fuck that actually means. Um, I I think that the corporations are finally realizing that they need to, um, you know, step up where they were not stepping up. And now the pendulum is swinging kind of way far the other way. And, and what you and I talked about this morning that I said is, you know, if we were to look at any of these kinds of things from a relational trauma standpoint, going back to childhood wounds and the need to fit in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we were to strip it down. And, and look at it from a mental health perspective. This would be no different than if we were to take a subsect of gluttonous people, obese, obese people, 
morbidly obese people. Morbidly obese people and start saying that we need to create a, you know, we really need to be inclusive and that they need to have a gluttony flag and that needs to be hung from places and that we really need to support this. It doesn't take rocket science to realize that somebody in this case, okay, has a mental health issue that contributed to where they are. Correct. They may be genetically predisposed to gain weight, right? I've seen studies that have been conducted in rats that have certain genes that they put two rats in a cage side by side, same conditions. They feed them the exact same food and one rat is more fat than the other rat. Okay. I'm not saying that I don't see that there is genetic predisposition. But when you start to take a look at all the other shit, you know, fast food restaurants on every freaking corner that are highly addictive, that hit the dopamine center. We were talking about how this is no different than, you know, the sex addiction stuff. And we were even talking about, and I'll circle back to the fat stuff, but we were even talking about how, you know, we like to call somebody sex addicted when they've really never had a, a fulfilling sexual experience. Right. They're, they're not sex addicted. They're craving intimacy and connection. There's a fucking difference. And then you're going to go label them a sex addict right. and send them to meetings and make them feel like a piece of shit. How's this helping? It, it doesn't help. Although maybe it does help a little bit. If, you know, like, you know. If you learn something. If you from learn the, something. From and working the steps or whatever. Yeah, you work the steps, you learn something, you know, you, you open up about, you know, what what's going on and you know one nice thing about like going to like any of these 12-step meetings is you know what is discussed in the meeting stays in the meeting it's actually a really safe and fairly comfortable space to talk about things yeah and so to be able to you know verbalize things and write stuff down take notes and you know listen to other people's experience and um you know, working through a 12-step program, you actually do a lot of self-work, a lot of self-care. And, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. And I think that, um, you know, what I learned about myself was I didn't have a problem. Right. Somebody else thought I had a problem. I went to the meetings to keep them happy. Yeah. And as a, as a, a side effect to that is okay i learned a lot about myself i realized that the relationship i was in was the problem was the problem <laughs> not me yep yep is <laughs> one of the realizations that i had and it's like you know um it, it wasn't you know it's not a sex addiction problem not a porn problem it's the fact that i had never been in a relationship with anyone that reciprocated those feelings. Right. And, right. And, and, you know, what I thought was reciprocation always had strings attached. Yep. And so um, it's like, you know, being in a relationship with someone where, you know, you don't feel valued, you don't, don't feel, feel safe, yeah. you don't feel intimate because, you know, if you open up and you're intimate with someone. It's weaponized. It's weaponized. And, you know, there's all these strings attached and you know the strings are there. Yeah. And so if there's strings, you protect yourself. Yep. So you don't get hooked on a fucking string. Right. And so how can anybody be intimate with anyone and be close if you know that this stuff is going on? I mean, even if you're sub, even if you're, you're awake mind 
is not aware of it. Your subconscious is aware of it. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, you know, your gut says something's not quite right here. Logically, it sort of makes sense. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but your gut says something's not quite right. Exactly. Be careful. Yeah. All and, of your subconscious can pick up on all those little things and is a, its whole mission is to protect you for your own survival. Yeah. And so you're operating on some level of survival then. Exactly. And so, you know, I'm now in an amazing relationship where I don't feel any of those things. And now I'm like, okay, it's okay to be open. It's okay to talk about things. Uh, it's okay to be intimate and relaxed and explore things, you know, from a sexual standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were um, even talking talk about, about different things. Masturbation as, and pornography. And, yeah. Um, you know, fantasies and desires yeah. and stuff like that yeah. where, this, where before all these topics were taboo. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to be completely intimate with someone, you know, you have to feel comfortable and free to talk about those things. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I mean, fantasy date night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you was know? so fun. You know, it's like, you know, uh, prior to this, I've never, you know, it would have been totally off the table. Right, right. Um, and so it's uh, it's definitely a, a much more fulfilling experience. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, and as you start to become um, normalized or part of the, um, you know, I had Dr. Stan Tatkin on the podcast and he was talking about how at some point um, humans, uh, we function well by um, creating um, patterns in our life and structure and routine. Right. And as our alluring new partner becomes structure and routine, because that's an effective way to be a human, right? Like, Right. You start to kind of be, become patternistic. Um, you have to be more mindful and more aware. And you have to be um, inserting situations that create that excitement Absolutely. so that it's not so normalized. And I think that's the conversations that should be happening. It doesn't need to happen with 16-year-olds in school. No. It doesn't. <clears throat> Absolutely not. They're not ready for that. They're not ready for that. They They cannot even fathom that concept. You know... The the big topic you need to have is like, you know, we talk prefer... about your survival patterns. Talk about <laughs> the ways in which you show up in relationships, all yeah. your relationships and how you don't need to lose your voice. And how do you not lose your voice? Those are the conversations that teenagers need to be having. Right. If we're having those mental health conversations with our kids, then they grow up to be adults who are not afraid to have these conversations when they're appropriate. Right. It doesn't need to be conversations in school. It doesn't. No. Um, and so, yeah, that, you know, this whole sex ed and promoting abortion and all this other stuff, you know, it's not even, it's not, it's not scratching the surface <coughs> of the, the topic that needs to be discussed. Exactly. They're putting fucking band-aids on it. That's right. That's exactly what they're doing. I'm going to readjust here. And so, oh. um, you know, they're putting band-aids on this wound, but not addressing the wound. That's right. That's exactly right. They're just right. hiding it. Yeah. And then they're saying, and now we need to be um, inclusive of of all the wounded people. Right. Um, and so this will tie back into the obesity thing. And so, you know, genetics aside, right, maybe have a predisposition to being obese. And then we take 
and, and I have theories on evolution and why genetics have, you know, devolved in the way they've devolved as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you were to look at it, you know, zoom out and kind of take that 10,000 foot peekaboo, you could see like at the end of the day, there's something wrong with this person. Right. There's something not functioning well. Let's not say wrong. Let's say the system is not functioning well, right? right? Like if we were to look at the human body, like a machine, like a car, okay? If there's exhaust billowing out the back of this thing, it might be running. It might be going down the road. Everything might seem okay. The air conditioner might be putting out, you know, cold air, but there's something wrong here, Right. right? Like there's some, this is not, this is not the healthiest car. Right. <laughs> There's, so something needs to be addressed. Right. And so that we can get it back functioning as, as well as it can. And, and that's what we're not looking at with people. We're not zooming out and going, hmm, I wonder if this obesity has to do with the fact that there's these mental health issues that have them feeling depressed, which has them then on the couch, which has them then stuck in video games, which then has them door dashing fast food. Right. Which is a dopamine hit. And we talked about the dopamine hit. Right. And, and how... So- you know, you, we, we, the, and, and, and people, the, the powers that be, the global elites have capitalized on this by sticking fast food joints on every corner, um, literally targeting these people that are predisposed, predisposed to this by putting out these alluring commercials, right? Cause they're sitting on their couch watching television. Right. Oh, look at this juicy cheeseburger. Oh, oh don't you so want good. this juicy I've cheeseburger? I've been sucked into that too. Of course. And we jump in the car, we go down to in and out and get a great big fat juicy cheeseburger and those foods are very very specifically designed to hit the the dopamine right. receptor and you really so if you're lacking in serotonin you're lacking it you're depressive right and then you can have a dopamine hit it doesn't last long and you need more and more of it but you're gonna get it and this is no different than sex addiction quote we'll use that fucking term which i think is a piece of shit term Drug addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever. Right. It's it's all dopamine. It's all dopamine. Right. But we're not talking about that in schools. No. We're not talking about serotonin and dopamine and the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn resp- response system that our bodies have. We're not talking about survival patterns. We're not talking about that. We're talking about why you, you need to go have a woman eat out your vagina if you want to have an orgasm. Right. They want to pass laws to talk about that in right. schools. They want to. They want to pass laws where you know your fourteen-year-old daughter doesn't need to let you know that she's going to go have a fucking abortion because her you know eighteen-year-old boyfriend got her knocked up. Right, right. And so then the, the the comments that they would say is, well, how do you prevent the pregnancy? How do you prevent the teen pregnancy? That to me goes back to the original topic of. Well, let me talk to you about. Not religious, not Bible thumpery, not overly conservative. Let me just talk to you about what happens when you have sex with someone as your parent, mm-hmm. not as your school official. And maybe then people say, well, the parents don't do it because the parents are fuck offs, whatever. But then we could go into the nuclear family and how we're stripping parents away from their children by sending them to work for 80 hours a week and putting, I mean, we could go on and on and generationally speaking, this is what I'm talking about, generational traumas, right? But, but at the end of the day, if a mother has a conversation with her daughter, because it's safe to do so about what really happens emotionally during a sexual experience, 
Right. And has that conversation is if you choose to have sex with someone, you should know that these are the risks that are involved from the parent to the child. Right. Right. And then, and then if you get pregnant, there's consequences, right? But we've lost the whole consequence, natural consequences conversation as well. Totally. Right. We have basically entitled and enabled kids to not have to have natural consequences. We've protected them from natural consequences. Right. And then. And, and so like, you know, this topic, this topic we're listening to this morning on this particular class, this is where, you know, it's like, there's no discussion of actions and consequences. It's, you know, how is the government going to fix or solve these consequences for the people. Right. How are they going to fix ourselves? Right. So we need to pass laws so that the people that are doing these things don't have consequences. My mom's conversation with me was very clear. My dad's was a little vague, but my mom's was very clear. It was, if, if you decide to have sex with someone and you decide, and, and that results in a pregnancy, you're going to be stuck with this person for the rest of your life, whether you want to be or not. Mm -hmm. And should you choose then to not proceed with the pregnancy, there's consequences to that too. And let, let me tell you about those consequences, right? But we're not having those conversations with our kids. Right. Instead, we want to talk about how they can improve orgasms. Right. Anyway, I think that the greater point here is that we're going about this all wrong, but there's like an entire movement happening where we're literally pumping out people that are perpetuating this and not taking a zoom out and looking at what's actually happening. Right. They're so caught up in that they're progressive and that they're being, you know, having a positive impact. They're not actually addressing the issues. They're not this, addressing the negative impact this, that they're having. <laughs> this would be like if you went into the doctor, okay, and you broke your leg. Um, and you had a sore throat and your doctor's like, Oh, let's take care of this throat. Let's get this throat wrapped up. My leg is broken. Yeah, you'd be fine. Just walk it off. Right. Well, it's like, let's go back to the car analogy. You know, you're driving down the road, you got these great big plumes of smoke coming out of your tailpipe. Car appears to be running fine, but there's obviously something wrong. Yeah. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's put this smoke in a canister and hide it. <laughs> Yeah, or even moreover, let's let's say, yeah, 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 yeah. Or let's say you break your leg, and with that break, you get a cut. You get a little laceration, a small laceration. You go into the doctor. The doctor's like, let's fix up this laceration. Well, my leg's still broken. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We fixed it. We The bleeding is stopped. That's the what we needed to really take care of. But we didn't. We didn't address the, the big issue, the big elephant in the room. Right. Um, so The topic doesn't even come up. No, and we like, have what what broken leg? I don't see a broken leg. We have so many other things to talk about, but I do feel like you know when people come to me about this sex therapy stuff, I'm just really struggling with this. You know, I signed up to do this to help couples, and what I'm finding is that these classes are all I'm the dissenting voice. I'm the alternative voice now. It's all about transgenderism, LGBTQIA plus. It's all about politics. None, none of these classes have been what I'm hoping for, which is a challenge for me because I want to help 
the majority of people, which is people that want to be in a, in a monogamous committed relationship and they want to have passion and intimacy and all the things that they originally had with their partner. Right. And they want to feel seen and heard and validated and not anxious and not ambivalent and not avoidant. Right. And so... with you what I'm grateful for with you and I is that we're able to talk about just about anything I mean I haven't found a topic we haven't talked about and even when conversations are uncomfortable we're able to move through them Mm -hmm. and sit with the discomfort and then we grow from that discomfort and there are things that come up all the time that activate me and put me into a space of fear from my old stuff and I'm able to bring it up to you and I'm able to say, this is what's coming up for me and you don't have to take it personal. It's my stuff. It's my stuff. And when you're able to say even, you know, when that comes up for you, I go here and then we're having a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. We're able to talk about how often do you masturbate? Well, you know, do you use pornography to masturbate? No, I don't think that's healthy for our relationship. Okay, I agree with that. How do you feel about me using pornography? You know, I'd rather you not because blah, blah, blah. We're able to have these conversations. And I think that if more people had the ability to sit with their discomfort, identify it, call it out, and have conversations with their partners, the world would be a different place. It would be totally different. I believe it would be a different place. If I could get to people before they have an affair. Unless the relationship is over. Right. There's a lot of people that have affairs because they're looking for a way out. Right. They want to get caught. Yeah. Um, I've seen that too, you know, and, and even then, if I could get to them before then, it'd be like, Hey, you guys need to call it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, <laughs> um, you know, my first, uh, my first unsuccessful marriage, you know, it was horrific. I mean, it was a horribly abusive relationship. Um, it to still the, is. It still Anyways. is to the point where, you know, the courts, literally changed our fucking names to hide the abusive nature of this relationship. And, you know, I used an affair as an escape tool. Excuse me. Um, In retrospect, you know, I wished I hadn't. I wished I'd said, you know, we're done. We're done. And then, you know, walked out and then taken the time to heal. And not repeated patterns. And not repeat the pattern, which I, I happened to do. Um, because I didn't really, not with an affair. You didn't do that again, but yeah, but But, you know, I, but, um, to, to jump into another relationship that was comforting, sadly, sadly, comforting comforting is what we know. And, uh, but still, you know, an abusive type of relationship and, um, you know, yeah, affairs don't ever fix anything. It always makes it worse. It always makes it worse. And no matter what. And I've had, you know, like I have a couple right now where he had an affair, um, pretty shitty circumstances. Um, I, I understand why he had the affair. The relationship was really failing. Um, he's not emotionally over the affair. And so I had to have a private session with him to have a conversation about this because one of the things when I'm working with infidelity cases is it, everything has to be out on the table. Right. We have to have full disclosure. 
And I have to have a 100% affirmation the affair is over right. if they want to repair. And the reason is because I'm asking for vulnerability from both people. And I'm asking, I cannot put them in a space where they're, where they are putting themselves in a vulnerable place if their partner is still engaged. Right. It, it's not safe then. Right. It's not emotionally safe. And, and this is part of the work in working with couples is balancing this stuff. And with this particular case, I actually sought supervision because I knew in my gut, I could tell I'm, I'm formally trained in nonverbal communication. I could tell by his body language and, and the, and his tone that this relationship, um, hold on, I have to look a second, was not over. I could just right. tell. And so I can't ask her to be vulnerable if I know from my training that it's not safe. Right. So I had an individual session with him and, you know, he's basically says, um, you're not wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I think that my marriage is too far gone and I found something else that I want. And it's sad on multiple levels because now he is the scapegoat for everything. Right. Even though I can see why he originally had the, I can see the toxicity that was in the relationship that caused him to be here. Right. But he is now it. It's his fault. Right. And um, even if they wanted to repair, she has to do a lot of work to get to a space where she's not going to blame him over and over and over and over again. Right. Because otherwise he's going to do it again. Right. So there's all this dynamic that goes into all this stuff. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, um, it requires a lot of work on both parties if they want it to work. If they want it to work. And in this case, um, I never, I never tell couples I'm not there to decide for them whether it's going to work or whether it's not. Right. But what I will offer them is in my professional experience, this is what I've seen. Right. right? Like I want to give them information and this is what it's going to take, you know, but when a couple comes to me with an affair, that's a whole nother gamut. It's a whole nother, there's a lot that goes into determining when was the affair? How long did the affair last? What's the mindset surrounding the affair now? You know, there's so much that goes into that, but if I could right. get to people before then, and I could heal these traumas and these wounds. At the end of the day, they might not be a fit anymore, but they wouldn't drag each other through that. Right. I was telling you this morning about this other couple that I have. And his backstory is freaking soul crushing for most people. Um, dad was addicted to drugs. Um, and his uh, mom also had her fair share of, you know, mix-ins with drugs she ended up um, literally leaving him on a bus with a friend of hers um, and disappearing. And he ended up then being physically abused by this person. And mm -hmm. the CPS got involved and took his brother away, but never took him away. And then his mom ended up dying of cancer. He never even got to say goodbye. So this guy's got like so much stuff in terms of abandonment, neglect, complex trauma, all the things. And his partner cheated on him. They came to me to see if she could move back into the house and they could get back together. Because basically, as soon as he found out about the affairs, get the fuck out. Right. Right. All his stuff. Instant. I'm not good enough. I'm not chosen. I'm now abandoned. All the things. All the right. things. He said, get the fuck out. Fair. Fair enough. Right. right. And I was telling you this morning, I had to physically demonstrate for her what happened by saying this is no different than if you had taken a very sharp kitchen knife and repeatedly stabbed him. Right. 
what would he say to you? Get the fuck out, you psycho bitch. Right. Right? And it's that, the same thing. It's the same thing. And that's what people don't realize, this mental health stuff. It's, it's no different than the physical wounds. They just can't be seen. Right. And so, like, a situation like that, you know, it's like, okay, they're discussing moving back in. And she, he wants to let her back into the house, maybe. But, you know, the thing is, it was like, you know, that, that bond of trust has been broken. You know, she's going to be maybe come back, but she's never going to come all the way back. You know? You hit the nail on the head, and that's the part that makes me the most sad about the affairs. And I will tell my couples, I will say, I can bring you back from this. And you guys can have a great relationship, but it will never be the relationship it was before the trust was broken. Right. And now you are going to struggle to have intimacy. I mean, this one couple, she, they start to engage in sex. She loses her ability to lubricate. And almost immediately she says, you got to stop. It's now it's hurting her physically, right? Cause she's not wet. Right. And then he gets upset. She says he gets enraged. He's, he's feeling shameful, guilty, all the old stuff from having the affair. Why the fuck did I do that? Now I can't even have sex with my wife who I actually do love. And he, he's thrown into this, you know, place where he's just basically going down the drain because it's a double whammy of feeling like crap for what he did. And now feeling like crap for the fact that she's not able to get wet around him, which is a direct effect on his manhood. So then what's going to happen? Is he going to have another affair? I told you outright, I have I have zero belief that this man will ever have, he will end this relationship before he will do that to her again. Right. Because he has so much shame and guilt and is so upset with himself about it. Right. And But it'll never be the same. And they had a wild, crazy, fun sex life before he did this. Right. And so, you know, it's, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, just the, the sex, how everything in society around us is just, is sexualized. You know, uh, I can't pull up an email without there being a friggin' yeah, yeah. I, well, I, what was I looking I up last night? It. I was looking up the Mormon crickets, and the news article had half naked women all throughout yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm not looking at half naked women on the internet. <laughs> like, why right. the hell is this on this article? Exactly. And what if uh, what if our boys wanted to Google Mormon crickets and look up the you know influx of Mormon crickets in Elko, Nevada? Right. What what would happen to them? You know, would they see that? Yes, they would. Yes. And so, you know, um, you know, and I think, you know, this is where, you know, um, you know, there's just the sexualization of everything around us. You know, you go down the highway and there's, you know, a half naked woman advertising the freaking sex shop around the corner yeah, yeah or yeah. you know the bikinis yeah. on the beach whatever yeah and um you know the ads on your phone and the ads on tv or you know whatever it is yeah um and that's trickled down to you know young women dressing provocatively yeah um underage women girls dressing provocatively yeah you know i mean just 13 14 year old girls yeah Dressing like freaking hookers. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yep. Um, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. And so, you know, we're expected to be, we're expected to accept all the sexualization of the children and advertisement yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we end up with all these hosts of 
problems relating to, you know, all the sexual exposure all the time. We've got a handful of mentally ill people that demand to be recognized and they have, they've got their own special month. We're not addressing the mental health issues that are surrounding this whole, this whole thing. And, you know, as humans, you know, we're, we're driven for that dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want that feel good hit, the adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. or whatever we get. And so, you know, you know, people act out, people get in trouble for Mm -hmm. having sex with sex with an underage girl. She looks like she's 25. Well, fuck, she's 14. Yeah, yeah. Now some poor bastard's stuck in jail because he didn't ask her her age. Yeah. Just had sex with her. Yeah. Bam, they got fucking busted. Yeah. Well, shit, his life was ruined. Yeah. Her, her life was ruined. ruined. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> you know? And it's like... And, but this is <clears> where, <throat> you know, I was having this conversation with my friend the other day because um, they were out somewhere and um, somebody had started to make some advances in some kind of subservient way toward her husband and then tried to get his phone number through other people that they're connected to. And, and basically she was like, hell to the motherfucking no. Right. You know, we make good money. We work hard for our money. We have two young kids. Um, hell to the motherfucking no. And I'm going to protect the shit out of my family. And I am, we had this conversation. She said, am I being controlling? Am I being manipulative? And I said, absolutely not. No, there is a very big difference between protecting something and being psycho. There's a very big difference between that. But, but we've been told now that protecting is controlling and manipulative and crazy and psycho. It's it's no, it's not. We were out at the place the other day and I know we talked about this a little bit, but we were at a family friendly brewery and this musician is half naked and she's bending over in front of our teen boys and you. And I'm like, I want to move. Right. We're getting up and we're leaving and we're going somewhere else. Is that me being jealous and crazy? No. That is me saying, I'm not standing for the shit. Right. And and I don't want you to see it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. The young boys don't need to see it. I don't want my teen boys to see it. That makes me uncomfortable. And so at the end of the day, what do we want? Do we want to have a healthy, well-adjusted relationship where we try to reduce discomfort as much as possible when it's unnecessary and provocative Mm -hmm. or do we want to sit there with our discomfort and fight through it so we don't look jealous fuck that you know it's interesting like um you know talking about just the sexualization of everything and maybe it's just me um but along with this loosening of of morals in this country that we're living in um you know the the people that tend to be, um, uh, go ahead. Smacks. It's just warning me on the maximum time limit. The oh, people that tend to I be. think it's people that tend to be, um, you know, wanting to have multiple sexual partners in this environment have become much more aggressive, much yeah. more overt about yeah. what they want. Yeah. And you know, if they want, if they want your husband, She's going to go after your husband. Yeah, period. Right in front of you. Right in front of you. It is not going to even be... You don't even try to hide it. Yeah. And I've often said that I appreciate, and I think men are the same way, and I often appreciate that when we're out somewhere, you have your eyes on what's going on in the room, and you're being mindful, and you're being protective, and, and you'll come over, and you'll put your hand on me, or you'll give an indication to everyone else. And and whenever you do that, I reciprocate almost immediately, So right. because either... 
I'm comforted by the fact that you're touching me or because I'm aware that you're picking up on something that maybe I'm not aware of and I want to further enhance the message to whoever you're putting it out to right. that. Yes, this is the person I want to be with. I'm with him and I'm not interested in whatever the fuck you're doing. Right. At the end of the day, I found the person I want to be with and I don't want anybody or anything to try to get in the way of that. Right. And I don't want anything to make you feel uncomfortable either. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, uh, you know, with the way, with the way society has accepted all of this, you know, open, with stuff um we need to be even more protective and more vigilant because um you know all it takes is a moment of letting your guard down yeah and then boom your fucking world is on its head yeah i mean like right now yeah um yeah and you know it just seems like it, it, um, it doesn't matter how much trust and whatever you have in a relationship it can throw anybody into a spiral oh hell yeah you know and, um, yeah, I just, uh, it's, I think from, uh, a psychological or an evolutionary standpoint, you know, it's like, um, we as humans, we have not, um, been able to adjust fast enough to keep up with the crazy shit that's going on. I totally agree. You know? Yeah. Yep. And so, um. You know, we might sound like, you know, we're backwards or Amish or something <laughs> or not, um, but it's hard to keep up with it all. It is. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, you know, I'm just struggling to keep a, one step ahead of the fucking school board, <laughs> you know, letting, you know, fucking child porn into the libraries. Yeah, right. right you know, we're right. having a hard time just keeping up with that shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Never mind the rest of it going on around yeah, yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um yeah, I know anyway. for me, I feel more than ever that we have to be, like you said, vigilant and protective and have really good communication about these these things as they come up, you know. And I think that we've had our journey um, from our old stuff and our current stuff to find a place that's a sweet spot in terms of, you know, being able to make certain assumptions that we both have good intentions and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm still worried about the two-bit hussy from Instagram that's going to come rolling in looking for flight training. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm... <laughs> you know, and, uh, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not so worried it's not the right word for it, but I'm, you know, concerned about it as well because, you know, I don't need to deal with that shit either. Right. You know? Um, right. If you want to come I... fly with me, that's great, but you need to wear some clothes. Um, and um you know i'm not available yeah period yeah so don't even fucking try right (laughs) you know just take that off the plate right now yeah um but you know same thing too like i had that one client who um i just got a weird vibe from and they he broke up with the person that he was with that they were coming to me for couples therapy and he wanted to continue individual work. And obviously it's very different in the state of California in terms of all that. There's so many rules and regulations and boundaries and all that. But at the end of the day, I was like, nope. I had a conversation with you about it. You know, it's like, nope, Pat, refer out. Like, this is not happening. Right. Just because I don't need the mess of it. Right. Right. Like at the end of the day, I don't need the freaking mess. Um, you know, life is messy enough without the extra bullshit. Yeah. And I just don't think that in the olden days we were exposed to it like this. 
you know? No. I mean, you wouldn't have had a 19-year-old come strolling in half naked. No. <laughs> you know, and, just, and, and I joke about it, but we literally had a student that was 19 and half naked. Send her back to her freaking house to get put clothes on. I had to send her. I had to tell, <laughs> yes, that, hey, don't show up to a check ride in a sports bra, please. Right. Like, what the actual fuck? I'm all for dressing cute, and you can do that, and you can even look sexy and pretty, and you can be modest. All the things. You don't need to be naked. Right. But it's discomforting for sure. It really is. Um, and then, then that ties into, though, this level of trust, right? Like, there's this whole thing that goes back to that and, and having that. And it's hard. It's really hard. And those are the conversations where it's like, ooh, I'm feeling really activated right now. I'm not very comfortable with this situation. Right. Okay, I'm not very comfortable with this situation either because you're not very comfortable with this situation. Nobody's comfortable right now. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And being able to have those conversations and then put things in place that, at the end of the day, it's like I told you, you know, if people are going to, if people are going to be distracted to somebody else in their relationship, there's usually something fatally wrong in the relationship. Right. You know, and it's, it, it's not usually going to be the uh, little 19 year old dressed half naked. It's going to be some random thing and that you never expected. Right. It's, you know, you can set all these rules and stuff around it, but it's going to be the person in the grocery store. Or whatever. It's not going to be where you expect it. Yeah. Because no. you're already checked out anyway on some level. Exactly. And that's where I say if I wish I could get to people sooner, you know, I would tell them, hey, probably call this relationship before you guys knife each other emotionally, yeah. you know, or exactly. let's work on this and get you guys repaired and then look at now your relationship's fantastic. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's a lot. I think also, though, to kind of wrap that up, um, when you do feel uncomfortable, you know, being able to have that conversation and being able to put some things in place that feel safe is a good thing. It's not controlling. It's not manipulative. It's healthy. You know, and it's totally healthy. And um, this is where, you know, in any relationship, it's also a good place to you know, make sure you guys have healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be like a huge boundary, but there's got to be, you know, expectations. And Can you elaborate on that a little bit? We have seven minutes. For seven minutes? Okay. I'm just curious where, what you mean by that. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, um, we, were, we were talking a little bit about, you know, checking in and stuff this morning. Um, you're so handsome, by the way. You're freaking gorgeous. God, I love how um, handsome you are. Boundaries. So, you know, there's things in relationships that are acceptable and not acceptable. Yeah. You know, like for me, you know, one of my boundaries is, you know, some of my boundaries are, you know, is like, you know, no, there's no name calling. You start calling me names, I'm tapping out. Yeah. You know, because, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, you know, when you call someone a name because you disagree with them or whatever... Um, that's a pretty big sign of disrespect. Yeah. If you no longer respect the person you're with, the relationship's over. You know, it doesn't matter if you say you love them or not. Yeah. If there's no respect, you know, then, you know, there's no trust. Yeah. You know, the relationship is over. Yep. 
it's time to get out and move on before you cause more damage. Because your intimacy is going to go downhill, and then you're going to have an affair, and then yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I, you know, and I, you know, I have this boundary with with you. I'm not going to call you names, other than I think you're fucking gorgeous or beautiful, or whatever. <laughs> but you know, there's no de derogatory comments because mm -hmm. that's extremely disrespectful. Mm -hmm. That's a part of the intimacy that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm not going to damage the intimate relationship by calling you names. Right. That's fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, you know, physical violence of any kind. Yeah. You know, yeah, we might get pissed off at each other, but I'm not going to hit you. No. I'm going to put my hands in my pocket, walk the other way, cool down, come back, we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's things like that where... I do you say know, I'm going to punch you in the gut sometimes. Well, sometimes I probably deserve it. <laughs> but I never have punched um, you in the gut. But, you know, Maybe having, once. having healthy boundaries, I mean, just, they can just be simple things. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, it's like, you know, if you're having a conversation with, you know, a member of the opposite sex, I just want to be looped in on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Or whatever. Totally. Um, not for, to be controlling. No. To, but it's, you know. Ties into everything we've been talking ties about. Ties we're talking to, about. Why put your partner in a, in a space of feeling uncomfortable and or, you know, why threaten the relationship? Why you have to be vigilant? All the things we're talking about. All right. And so, yeah. you know, part of being intimate and having a healthy relationship is, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of stuff, but you know, a handful of boundaries is healthy for any relationship. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, no name calling, no physical violence, you know, I would keep say conversations open. This is to kind of play into what Do Dr. Stantakin says is I really think that I'm switching how I'm looking at those and calling, instead of saying boundaries, I'm calling them packs and agreements. Mm -hmm. Cause that's really what they are. They're packs and agreements that we've made for the health and safety of our relationship, just as we would have packs and agreements if we were in business or anything, right? you know, um, it's and part of the contract. Yeah. And it's, it's not so much a boundary. It's part of what we've agreed is healthy and good for us. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think when I, when I'm thinking in terms of boundaries, now I'm using this pivot coaching concepts of, you know, where are they in your boundaries? What kind of conversations can you have? And I'm looking at it more that way, but I like what you're saying. I do. And I try to be, you know, over the top too, like even on social media to make sure that I'm sharing us mm -hmm. so that the world knows there's no room here for any of that, you right. know, yep. and definitely any kind of conversations with the opposite sex you're looped in on. It's important. Totally important. And I know for me with you, because you do have so many people and, and I do too, just the work we do. It's not like we go to the eight to five job and work with the same three people. Right. You've got new students in every day. You've got people coming for warbird flights all the time. Also, you're hot as fuck on social media. So there's all that allure, you know, right. but it's <clears throat> like every once in a while, I'll just get a little, uh, um, uh, insecure about, but usually it's, it's related to something with my ex that causes me to go to that mindset. Right. And I'll just say to you, is there anything that would make me uncomfortable? No. Right. Okay. Thank you. Just because I need that little reassurance, you right. know, and it just, and then, then that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to wrap up? I think that's it. I'm good. I think we did good. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.